Welcome back to the Athletes Podcast. This is episode 91 featuring Alejandro Vivar, a pretty damn incredible individual to say the least. Someone who's learned from hard times, definitely made a significant change in his life over the past half decade. He's the founder of 25-7 Fitness, associated with Alpha Pack, Kicks for Kids, an aspiring motivational speaker, and someone who I'm very grateful to have met. Uh, we've gone on a couple runs, done a couple workouts together with the Niagara Falls boys, Lucas Body, Rimmer Chuck, you know the drill. It's been incredible to learn and see how he's been able to make some significant changes in his life and apply them to how he approaches every single day now. And I hope you enjoy this episode of the Athletes Podcast. This is episode 91 featuring Alejandro Vivar. Here we go. I'm excited to have you on, man. You've got just such an incredible story, and I'm very honored to be able to share some of it on the Athletes Podcast and have us go into detail kind of on who you are, how you've come to be this inspirational individual and someone who I'm fortunate enough to be able to call a friend and someone who we, we've had a couple workouts together. That was where we originally met. I didn't know anything about you prior to that. And uh, yeah, you've got just such a cool story. So I, I want to let you kind of dive in and share a bit about who you are with the Athletes Podcast li listeners. Well, I think I met you We were when you were doing that like epic walk run. How many kilometers was that? Uh, 100, 150k day, 150k day with Natalie Allport, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember you were doing that. And, um, I don't know. I just like, you know, I was watching you talk to some of the guys and I just, there was something very, um, like, like you just seem like such a humble and cool dude, brother. And I feel like humble and cool is such a, a hard, um, like, how are you just humble and cool? Like, that's such a hard characteristic to have the both, bro. So, you know, I wanted to get to know you, man. So I reached out to you. I know we had a couple workouts. We went to Toronto. Um, and yeah, I'm just trying to be around good people, brother. Like, I've been around um, negative people all my life. And just lately, even moving to Niagara region, um, I developed a network of guys that are just into athletics. Um, they eat, breathe, train, and sleep. Um, they don't smoke, they don't, you know, do drugs, they don't drink alcohol. And I just found that surrounding myself around that these type of individuals, brother, has like completely changed my outlook on life. And when I went to prison, I got into, you know, distance running, I got into the athletics. I was always athletic as, as a teenager. Um, but then I lost that through adulthood. And then when I went back to prison, um, and, you know, even in prison, playing some softball games and baseball games and basketball games, you kind of relive your youth and your childhood through that, right? So I got back into sports and, you know, athlete and distance, uh, distance sports um, at a later, you know, time in my, in my life, you know, late 30s and, and now I'm 40 years old. But um, just being around guys like you have re-inspired me that, you know, it's never too late, man. It doesn't matter how old you get. You could be 40, 50, 60, 70. Listen, I'm in the best shape of my life and it's, it's never too late to want to push those barriers um, when it comes to your physical state and your mental state, because it's all intertwined, right? So I'm just looking for good people, brother. And I find that when you hang around athletes, when you hang around people that are um, positive, you know, constantly trying to um, better themselves or hit better marks or challenge themselves physically, um, it just makes for better friends and, and better companionship. 
you're you're so right and i appreciate the kind words um but you are in the best shape of your life let's just clarify you were making us look silly when we went on that run you were doing it twice over and we were uh, we were struggling to keep up i needed an oxygen tank after that one but you got some pretty amazing initiatives going on i mean you talked about kind of learning from some hard times going to prison having to go through that but you've got 25 7 fitness you've got alpha pack you just finished doing kicks for kids. Tell me a bit about, you know, what you, yeah. What tell me about kind of what your goal is right now? Now that you've been able to come out and maybe kind of make a new name for yourself. So there's a couple. Of, there's a couple of I have short term goals and long term goals. Also, like my long term goal would be to to create like a an online, um, you know, virtual. A business that I could sustain from anywhere in the world. Like I would really love to reconnect with my roots, go back to South America. I really want to research some of the distance uh, runners and distance athletes back home because back okay. home in Ecuador, they train at very high altitudes and that has kind of helped um, the athletes, especially like the cross, the cross country runners, the marathon runners in those countries. So I would love to, you know, go live there for a bit and, and immerse myself in the running culture there but in terms of short-term goals, we have a gym opening up in Toronto. Um, I do live in Niagara now, so I do have, you know, I would love to open up some sort of uh, mecca or a hub for athletes in Niagara region, which will be in the works. Um, but right now, the focus is the gym in Toronto, August 1st. Um, and it's, again, like a multidisciplinary gym where we're kind of combining everything athletics, whether it's boxing, whether it's running, cycling, and so forth. And, you know, just like you, like, like I told you before, I just want to network with, with good people, um, people who are different, um, than what I'm used to. You know, I, I was raised, um, you know, downtown Toronto. Um, I gravitated towards people who were involved in the criminal subculture, um, involved in a gangster lifestyle. And, you know, although it, it taught me some invaluable, uh, street smarts and business skills, you know, it also, um, took a toll on my on my mind and my soul. So I'm just trying to, I just want to connect with, with healthy network with um, positive like-minded individuals. So, you know, just things like kicks for kids, you know, our initiative that is going to send a hundred kids to school with fresh gear. These are ideas that we just cook up when we're sitting, you know, by a campfire with these individuals. Right. So we're working with sneaks around, we're working with alpha pack sports and we're just putting our heads together and, and, you know, it doesn't cost us anything to host a boot camp. Like last Saturday, we hosted boot camp. Everybody who came to the boot camp, we had about 35 people, puts in 10 bucks each. That's 350 bucks towards this $10,000 initiative. So it's like the way I look at it is I'm working on anyway. So why not use my workout as a way to, um, number one, garner um, awareness for, you know, a cause that we're passionate about. Number two, get everyone working out you know, inspire people to put in, you know, that 10 a.m. Saturday morning workout and not drink the Friday night before. Mm -hmm. And number three is just to build that, build and strengthen that, that community that we're, 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 we're trying to build here in Toronto and Niagara um, mm -hmm. and wherever else, you know, people are going to embrace our message. Yeah, it'll be exciting when we're able to start some up here down in Niagara. I think we've got a little hotbed full of athletes that are just primed and waiting for something like us to some someone like us to come along and put something together. So it'll be interesting, definitely. And I, you know, I'm 
been admiring from afar kind of the work that you do and how you've been able to inspire some pretty incredible people along the way. And, you know, one of the things that was interesting is actually how you are an aspiring motivational speaker, you know, talking about some of your past, <laughs> you competed in the 2017 Toastmasters International Speech Contest semifinals. And I know you're, you didn't get the result that you wanted, but can you maybe touch upon how you had that went through that experience and what that taught you, you know, as you've been able to progress now the four years afterwards? Yeah. So I was just fresh, fresh out of, you know, I was fresh out of prison and I'm like, Hey, why don't I give this a shot? Like everyone has a fear of public speaking. I wanted to overcome that fear, but the only way you're going to overcome your fears is if you tackle them head on. That's my philosophy. You got to tackle them head on because if you know, you're never going to know what you're capable of. So came out, um, same thing, looking for a network of, of, of like-minded, you know, positive individuals, joined Toastmasters, and just started taking cracks at, at, the, at the speeches, right? And I just found that the more I practiced and the more I took myself out of my comfort zone, the more I was able to um, discover strengths that I had within myself. And strengths that I was able to improve, um, not only um, being self-critical, but also with the feedback of the community. Because that's what's the, the best thing about Toastmasters is they offer um, analysis. They offer feedback in a non-critical and non-judgment environment, environment. So took me to took me to the world championship in Vancouver. You know, they mm -hmm. gave me a hotel room. They gave me, um, paid for my flight there and back. And never did I ever imagine a year before that, when I was locked up, that I'd be uh, competing against the last hundred out of 33,000 speakers from across the world. So that just goes to show, like it goes in any aspect of life. For those mm -hmm. people who are watching the show and want to get into um, distance athletics, there's nothing really stopping you. The only thing that's stopping you is yourself, is that fear that you can't do it. But once you go and, you know, you run around the block once and then you go uh, next week and you run around twice and then you run around five times and then you go and you hit the track for half an hour, you're going to see that the only thing holding you back was yourself. The only thing holding me back from my public speaking was myself, brother. The only thing holding you back from launching this podcast was yourself. And then you finally did it, right? So I think that's um, one of the primary messages um, of, of, of today's show is that, you know, people need to just, just do it, man. Yeah. It's just it's, do uh, it. Right. I think Nike coined that term uh, and they were pretty smart in being able to do really? that because it's, it's so true in the sense that, you know, we, as a society, we, as human beings yeah. are ultimately have the ability to do whatever we want to do at the end of yes. the day. And it's what you put your mind to and yes. what you practice day in and day out, what you preach and you brought up practice. And it's so important. Uh, I brought up the book previously, but I'm reading uh, talent is overrated. I'm just finishing it, but essentially wow. it breaks down the fact that, you know, everyone at the end of the day is created equal. And what makes the difference is how much time you put in and put in that deliberate practice. So it's not just, you know, going and running, it's making sure you're going on that run with the intent of getting better in the long run, yes. unintended. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, it is, it's such an amazing experience being able to network with individuals like yourself and others who are positive and like-minded, like you said. And I think it's, we need to be around those people. Yeah. You're so right. right? Yeah. If you're, if you want to be, 
a speaker, we can't be around guys that are drinking at the bar. Mm-hmm. If we want to be cyclists, we have to be around cyclists every day, right? We can't be around, you know, people who are, you know, pessimists and, and you know, complaining about their jobs or, or, or whatever, right? We need to be around people that are getting it, that are doing it. Yeah. How have you been able to do that? Since, like, what's allowed you to make that change since coming out? Was it just a mm-hmm. mindset shift in your... And like, no, it's a behavior. You know, it's a, it's behavior. Yeah. You have to go and meet people. You have to um, see people and, and approach them, right? You have to, you know, if I see... You know, last week we were at Sunset Beach and we've seen a couple of people playing volleyball. And it's all about you going up to them and introducing yourself and seeing who they are and even exchanging numbers eventually. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you yeah, need to. And, and people are not used to that anymore. Right. Some people you go and you, you, you start talking to them like they get a little bit spooked, females and males. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that I, I feel like the art of communication is dying. It's such a shame. I think that's one of the biggest things that's going to come from COVID over the past year and a half, two years now almost, is that people don't know how to communicate anymore. They don't know how to have a conversation face to face with someone. Everything's been through a screen over technology, texting, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is, whatever social media platform you're using to communicate. It is not the way we were built to communicate by face to face verbally communicating because you know, there's so much that goes on or that goes into that from a nonverbal perspective as well. You and I at least can see our facial reactions so we can, you know, interpret that and make sure that, hey, he's smiling. I know it's going to be a good conversation. Whereas if you're texting someone, you have no idea how they actually are feeling because you can't see them. You can't hear their tone. Yes. So, But then uh, on the opposite side of the spectrum, there's people like us that are thirsty. Like I'm starving for human human interaction. Hundred percent. I can't wait right. for everything. The fact that we're still kind of locked up here in Ontario is just crazy to me. Yeah, but that's here in Toronto. It's 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 uh, everything's in full effect. Everybody's all all the like it's it's it's. it's... Yesterday, I drove. I, I I was riding by the um, Phoenix um, concert hall. It was packed. Concerts nice. are on, so it was nice to it. see people. You know back to back to back in a line there was no six foot there was no six uh meter or six feet there was none of that everyone was just like it was back to normal so yeah i think i i think we're i think we're good yeah and so i you know i appreciate you being able to have the the humility and honesty to come out here and share your story because a lot of people would you know want to cover up what happened in their past and not bring up those maybe necessarily not so good memories. But what are some of the ways you've been able to learn from those hard times and apply that to your life now? I mean, you know, one of the things that we always talk about is misconceptions of when a lot of the athletes we feature here on the athletes podcast are typically, you know, professional high performers from NFL, NBA, NHL, et cetera. For you, what's kind of been this difference now being able to become so ingrained in the Toronto fitness lifestyle and culture that's that you've noticed is like a big maybe sticking point here now moving forward that's going to really be a difference maker over the next couple of years? Well, everyone's looking for, for inspiration, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone is looking for, everyone loves comeback stories. So I feel like being, you know, honest and transparent with my story, what I've been through, the negative choices that I made, because there weren't mistakes, there were actual choices, and being able to transform myself. And fitness was the biggest part of that. You know, getting into distance running in the federal penitentiary was one of the biggest parts of my transformation. So 
the story that you see now would not be this story if it wasn't for the story of my past. So I have to give people that context, right? Why would I shy away from that if it's an incredible story? Um, everyone goes through, you know, everyone goes through their crap, right? Um, and, and maybe it's in a different way, shape, or form. I chose criminality. I chose the drug trade. But, you know, other people, you know, whether it's alcoholism or whether it's, you know, emotional, verbal abuse or we all we, we all go through our troubles in life. And it's just all about that turning point. And for me, it was that turning point where I said, hey, like, I don't want anything to do with this. And, and the new road that I'm on, everything has to be consistent with this new road that I'm on. Right. Mm. So got into distance running. So. Everything I ate had to be fuel for my runs. Everything had to be fuel for my long runs. Um, every day's mileage, what I wore on my shoes, the compression socks that I wore, um, when when I would ice my knees, the cold showers I would take, like everything was, um, you know, towards my goal of becoming a better runner and, you know, running my first marathon. Mm. So... That's that's like everything in life has to be cohesive, you know, towards who we want to be and, and our goals. And I think that a lot of people, that's what why they struggle when it comes in, in terms of their fitness, because they're not willing to let go of all the negatives. Right. Yeah. yeah you need I to think, embrace think, the negatives, but be willing to let it go. And I've, I've, I've fully let it go. Right. Yeah. hundred percent you have. And now you're putting in that deliberate practice and also preaching it to others too. You train a couple people on the side as well, on top of all the other work that you do. Um, You mentioned a bit about your diet. I know you've got some unique approaches. You want to talk about kind of how you approach your diet on a day-to-day basis, what you're doing nutrition wise. So nutrition wise right now, honestly, I'm, I'm using fats for fuel. I've learned like from my, like everything is, is different for everybody. My long, like my long runs are not really that long. If I were to do, you know, 22 kilometers plus, usually my long runs are 22 to 28 kilometers every Friday. I'm going to carb up, uh, the night before, um, okay. I'll have two, I, I, I carb cycle. So I'll do a carb cycling day on Tuesday and Thursday. Tuesday will be my low carb. Um, I'm anywhere between three to 4,500 calories. Um, and on my third, on my Thursday, I'm, you know, well over 5,000 calories. And then I'll go do my hard training day on Friday, which is my hardest training day of the week. So obviously, yeah, for sure. Pre and post nutrition on your hardest, um, days, your hardest work days are, are very important. You know, you need to get in, um, your fats, your carbs, um, you need to get in your proteins. But for me, when it comes to leaning out, like I found that eating lean meats, eating um, lots of greens, eating deep greens, and just having, you know, lots of nuts. Um, Sometimes I'll take a couple scoops of olive oil. And I find that that, you know, a couple scoops of olive oil, let's say six scoops, six tablespoons of olive oil. It's it's like natural mortar oil for the joints. Like it has my elbows, it has my my knees um, loose. And I think it all comes down to finding, listening to your body and finding what type of diet works for you right mm-hmm. because we're all we all have different genetic genetics too right i have more um like south american indian genetics in me so i feel like i need to um fuel with more foods that are native to south america and right. those are the foods that my body will, will will fully absorb like i can't eat pasta 
I don't know anywhere in South America where, where people are eating pasta. You know, pasta is like a European, it's a it's an Asian thing. When I eat pasta, it gives me inflammation. Yeah. It gives me inflammation. It makes me feel heavy. It makes me feel bloated. It makes me feel lethargic. Um, when I eat something like cassava, yuca, which is native to South America, when I'm eating um, quinoa, which is native to South America, when I'm eating oatmeal and Red River cereal, I feel like those, and, and, and those are things I just have in the morning. Like usually mm-hmm. if I have, if I have on my carb days, I'm going to have those things right in the morning. And I feel like it gives me the energy I need to fuel, you know, my day to day and, and my workouts. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and it's I, taken years of, 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 um, trial and error. That's one of the, you're so accurate on that. And I'm so glad you brought it up because, uh, Dr. Callum Cowan from Phenom High Performance Medicine. We featured him, was it about a month ago, Jordo? Okay. Probably episode 85, 86. Anyway, he goes through, uh, works with a lot of professional athletes, NHL, NBA, et cetera. Um, yeah. But essentially, go through it, blood testing, figure out what foods exactly work for your system, what yeah. agree with your gut, resetting your gut. Um, he's got a whole process. I highly recommend people go and check out his website because he's got some phenomenal resources. But one of the things that when he was working with me was, you know, I had to cut out nuts for a bit. I had to cut out uh, egg whites for a little bit. So, yeah. you know, there are things that, and I was drinking a ton of egg whites, eating a ton of eggs. I wouldn't have known until I got that tested. So it's so important to make sure yeah. that you can figure out exactly what your body does and does not like as fuel. Uh, because sure. ultimately, if you're not absorbing those nutrients, then it's a waste putting it into your system. So I'm, mm-hmm. I appreciate it could be your, toxic. Uh, Exactly. And I appreciate yeah. your you diving into it because I think you take it uh, very seriously. And I think a lot of others would benefit tremendously from, you know, understanding the benefits that come from eating whole foods in your diet and removing processed foods, because that is the biggest killer right there is not drinking enough water and eating a ton of processed foods that'll that'll hurt your system pretty quickly, no matter who you are and what kind of genetics you have. Right. For sure. What's uh, what's maybe. Moving forward here with 25-7 Fitness, I know you've got plans with it. Can you give us maybe some insight as to what you're looking for at the end of this summer? To So the goal is, so the gym, the, the gym that we're opening is called Clubhouse Toronto. So that's going to be like our, non, our for-profit arm. Um, we have a gym. It's half cafe, mm. half gym. So yeah. not everyone needs to come and work out. You don't need to be an athlete to come. You could just be someone who is, you know, in the, in the pre-contemplation or the contemplation stages of, of, of change and, and want to come in and, and, you know, just want to be in that environment. Um, it's a sick facility. Fitness. You guys have like that. When I went up there and yeah. trained with you, it was crazy. Like yeah. you got a really good workout in. Hey, you put me to the wait till you see the new spot. Room. So the new spot is, is, is amazing. So August 1st is a grand opening. 25-7 Fitness um, is our nonprofit arm, and we want to just make fitness free and accessible for everybody. We believe that, you know, in a country like Canada, um, the Canadian government should be investing in preventative um, preventative medicines, preventative health care. So there's a lot of people who can't afford the gym. You know, there's a lot of people who can't go to LA Fitness and Good Life Fitness. So at our facility, we want to be one of the first facilities where we offer free memberships, where we have days where, the general public could just come in and, and do a workout or do a class. Um, and we want to target, you know, people who are the most in need, marginalized communities, uh, co- um, communities who have, you know, high risk for diabetes, high risk for blood pressure, um, people that are, you know, at high risk, 
you know, in, in um, communities where, you know, there's a lot of alcoholism and drug abuse, um, single parent households, you know, even single moms, you know, they, they don't, they don't have a facility to go where we can, you know, have people watch the kids and where they can participate in a boot camp. And those are the things that we want to do to differentiate ourselves and to distinguish ourselves as, you know, a club in downtown Toronto. And what better location than the heart of Toronto, Young and Bloor? It's, uh, it's amazing. I'm, I'm very grateful to have uh, met you and been able to be a part of your community here. Uh, Alejandro, we always wrap up every episode with, you know, your biggest piece of advice to the next generation of athletes. And I'd love yeah. for you to share your thoughts. Guys, I started this uh, journey 30. I, I ran my first marathon at 36 years old. Um, two months later, I was released to the street. And May 2016, I ran my first official marathon, the Good Life Marathon. And I ran a three hour, 16 minute, 56 second marathon, 16 minutes away from a sub three marathon. Um, it's never too late, guys. It's never too late to wake up and, and, and you know, be sick and tired of the way you are operating, the way your body is performing. Um, and just saying, listen, I'm going to get into the best shape of my entire life today, guys. So make that choice. Like I said, never too late. And remember that everything around you has to um, be in sync with that goal. All right. So you're going to need to make new friends. You may lose old friends. You're going to need to develop new habits. But if you do it little by little, you know, 1% every single day and make that commitment to improve, you're going to be a better athlete. You're going to be a better human. You're going to feel better mentally. You're going to feel better physically and, of course, spiritually. Alejandro, I appreciate you so much for everything that you do. Thank you for coming on on such short notice. I'm excited for yeah. the Athletes Podcast listeners to tune in, and I'm excited to hear what they think because this has been incredible. Thank you again so much, yeah. man. Thank you so much. Thank you, folks, for tuning in to the 91st episode of the Athletes Podcast featuring Alejandro Vivar. You can check out his social medias. They are tagged down below. Jordan's got it linked there. You can also see the CBC documentary that is on him on YouTube that is also linked down below. Honestly, I thoroughly enjoyed being able to have this conversation. I appreciate him coming on short notice, but I really think there's a lot of details in here that people will enjoy, appreciate, and maybe apply to their daily life now. Um, can't say enough good things about the way he's been able to change over the past five years and ex just love the positive energy that he brings to every single situation that he's in. This has been episode 91. Jordan Maslin is our producer. Ian Singleton is our videographer. I'm David Stark, your host. This has been the Athletes Podcast. Thank you folks for tuning in. Bye. Bye.